0: So something you need to know about today's sermon is it is going to be NC17 which means no kids allowed. Uh we're going to be talking about something serious. And uh it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. And that's just the way the devil wants it because as long as you're uncomfortable he will keep you in bondage. And what God is calling us to do is to face our shame, punch it in the mouth, walk over it, walk through it, and come out into the sunshine. Why am I doing this? Because this is, um, by presidential decree, the month that we celebrate all sorts of behaviors that used to be deemed sinful, but uh, now it's all okay, and even the church has kind of lost its mind and its clarity. I mean, we already lost our clarity about Couples living together and divorce and premarital sex and all that. So now we're just losing our mind down the path and we can't tell men from women. And, you know, it, we're, we're, we're literally like Romans 1 as a culture. We're just going down the toilet into insanity. Um, so, in light of that, I prayed about this and I'm like, well, how should I? tackle this issue of our sexuality. You should have a good theology of sexuality. Do you have a good biblical theology of what it is and why God created it? Um, a lot of people are confused. A lot of people think it's inherently evil. There's there's certain quote-unquote Christian traditions that just teach, well, that the devil came up with sexuality, and that's why everyone's a sinner is because you can't get away from it, and so we're all inherently sinful. And the original sin was Adam and Eve having sex, and it's, that's, that's ludicrous. Those are, that's people that haven't studied the Bible. A lot of it comes from a, <laughs> uh, one of the most foundational theologians in the Catholic tradition, which is, which is Augustine, who lived a, just a horribly sinful life and never experienced proper sexual relationships and covenants. So in his mind, it had to be evil uh inherently so he he basically and so that's in, that's kind of infected the the catholic tradition but a lot of protestants are kind of neurotic about it as well do you have a healthy understanding of sexuality but as i prayed about it i felt like that's not where we need to go just yet uh what we need to deal with is shame because shame is debilitating and shame Around this issue, I'm trying to think whether this has more Christians hogtied or bitterness. It's this or bitterness or both together. and A lot of times they go together because the people that you've been sexually involved with or have violated you sexually, you're embittered against them. So it's kind of a double whammy. But uh, we had a real move of the Holy Spirit at one of the meetings when we were in Africa. And it was almost exclusively this issue of sexual shame where we're really leading young people in the ministry came forward and said, the first one uh, just came forward and said, look, I'm about to kill myself. I cannot take this anymore. And he just went wham and he laid it out there. And then that, oh, as always, it kind of opens the floodgates because you think I'm not going to look at anyone. <laughs> you think you're the only one. But the fact of the matter is a lot of times in a Christian group, you're actually in the majority you think you're the only one, and you're literally in the majority when we talk about sexual brokenness. And it's a little trick the devil plays on us. So, Lord, help me to do this well, honor you, and just set people free. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Um, I'm going to make my very last point right now. My very last point, it's not really related to what I'm going to teach out of the Bible or anything, but it's this. If you happen to be a Christian who does not want to be in the midst of sexually broken people, who have done things they're ashamed of, who have been sexually assaulted, who have even been involved in crazy perverted weird things that they've never told anyone about and things have happened to them, things that they're ashamed of. If you don't want to be in a church that has those kind of people, even a huge percentage of those kind of people, lovingly, I just want to tell you, you need to go to another church. If you can't take it or you think you're better or you're made of something better, if you can't handle that, then you need to go find the church that pretends it doesn't have those kind of people. Because the difference between this church and that church is they're all going to be lying to one another at that church. And in our church, we're going to deal with it. And we're going to embrace you and we're going to help you. and We're going to teach you to walk and we're going to teach you to find healing. And we're going to bring you to the point where you can talk about it. and It doesn't even sting anymore until it actually, God turns it on its head and uses it as a weapon so that you can go in the darkness and bring people out. Another thing you need to be aware of though is that a lot of churches, one, they pretend it doesn't exist in terms of people's past, but they also ignore it in people's present. We don't ignore it in the present either. So people can fall, but you cannot stay down, you cannot defend yourself, and you cannot engage in destructive behaviors in this church. And if that is where you're at, and you think you know, you can engage in anything that's out of bounds in scripture. Um, then you'll have to go find a church where they allow that because we're not going to do that either. We're going to both embrace those who have been broken, and uh, you won't surprise me. You can't surprise me. (laughs) I have probably talked to people who have been involved in things you didn't even know existed. So, you don't believe me? How about sex with demonic spirits? How about that? So, anyway, everything incest, sexual abuse as a child, rape, everything. Believe it or not, it is common to the human experience. And when we're singing, come to the altar, um, and talking about the blood of Christ, I was getting emotional because I said, if Jesus' blood doesn't cover that stuff, honestly, what good is it? If he just covers stealing candy bars and cheating on our taxes or whatever, this is the real human stuff And more Christians are kind of bleeding out, you know, on the side of the road because they feel like they can't really deal with it at church. And we're really the only ones who can deal with it. With the Holy Spirit, the word of God, the blood of Christ, we're the only ones that can deal with it. And so I'm not afraid of it. And so when I was considering how I was going to attack this month where everybody's celebrating, throwing moral virtue to the wind, um, this kept coming up again and again. To the point where um, I was like, oh, obviously, this is, this is the avenue that we're going to attack this issue uh, on. So, um, yeah, but we're going to get real. So I don't think there are any kids left in here. So let's start with Psalm 32. Some people think this is David's psalm, one of the psalms he wrote after his sin with Bathsheba. Ty, before he went on his trip, he said, what's that thing you always say about David? Uh, what's that line you always do? I say, well, he attempted to break the land speed record for breaking all Ten Commandments in a row. Murder, adultery, idolatry, lying, everything, coveting. He tried to break the land speed record. Um, he, he killed one of the most, probably one of the most faithful men in his army, one of the most loyal to him as king, uh, in order to have his wife, who he impregnated through an adulterous affair after he lusted after her and he lied to everybody. And, I mean, he was in a demonic funk. He was out of his skull. I'm not going to ask you to say amen, but many of us have been out of our skull at times in this very issue, just like David. Luckily, we didn't have to kill anybody like he thought he did, but we've all been, God, how in the world did I get here? Thankfully, David, you know, God sent a prophet to smack him upside the head, and David went, what what am I doing? And then he wrote a couple of psalms, and a lot of people think that this psalm was written at that time where he cheated with Bathsheba, but it could have been at some other time. He was so good at sinning. He was so proficient and so practiced. I have to believe that wasn't the only affair David ever had. That was just the one that got the ugliest and the one that got all the press. So he might have written this at some other time where he had wiped out. Um, <laughs> and the people in the Bible are just like us. We should have only wiped out once uh, and or he probably wasn't saved. Well, how many times have you wiped out? Right? So, yeah, once. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, let's see if I can keep this thing on my head. Okay, how blessed is he? Interesting, that's how Psalm 1 begins, asheri. It's this interesting word that starts a lot. Of happy, happy, joyful, content, full, peaceful, just life is full. You're happy, but Psalm 1 is talks about the person who delights in god's word but you find this starting out a lot of hymns Ashri is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered happy blessed is the person again man is used generically just as in it used to be in english before people got neurotic about it the person to whom the lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit so deceit about what Covering hiding what we've actually been through, what's happened to us, what we've engaged in, making ourselves look like something that we're not. I'm not honest about who I am. Now, I don't think David is so obtuse to think that he can hide anything from God. And people say that to me, like, I tried to hide from God. I'm like, doesn't make any sense. What do you mean you're trying to hide from God? But do any of you guys think you can hide from God? Maybe, maybe you do. it just it doesn't make any sense. He like knows our thoughts and our hearts and everything is open and laid bare. So who's he hiding from? Um, You. I'm hiding from you. You're hiding from me. So what happens when we're hiding? When I kept silent, well, what are you talking about? Well, obviously, when you say italics, that means it wasn't in the original, but from the context, it doesn't take a, you know, hebrew scholar to figure out what's he talking about sin when i kept silent about my sin my body wasted away through my groaning all day long i'm faking it i'm faking it before my friends i'm faking it before my church i'm faking it before my husband before my wife before my kids before my parents oh man i'm just pulling up so many files this is just the way we do oh I'm like, do I pull out these real life examples? I don't suppose anybody except one person in here will be able to connect these dots. There's a young man whose dad is going to marry them because he's a minister and he is hiding from his father that he's been sexually active with his fiance because hiding, 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 hiding. That's what we do. So now, for the rest of his life, he's got a secret and he's going to be around dad, and dad doesn't know this, or he would, would have said, I wouldn't have, and it's going to cause tension and, and it's going to build up. But he's always hiding our porn addiction, our whatever, hiding, hiding, hiding. When I kept silent, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. Oh. And, and also fear, anxiety. Why am I depressed? People hide the fact that they've had abortions. People hide the fact from their spouse that they were sexually active with their, they lived with their last, you know, whoever, significant other. And worse. People, people who are victims hide because things happen to them that they, they had no control of. Again, in, in Af- nobody's going to be able to connect these dots either, but in Africa, and the guy wouldn't care because he came up and said it in front of the group. So I'm going to tell you something I've never told anyone. When I was a small child, these teenage boys raped me. And I was, I was wealthy, and I lived in a wealthy community, and I was regularly ra- raped by these teenagers. I've never told ta- Shame. And that led me to drinking and sexual immorality and loathing myself and thinking I'm worthless. This is common human experience. You're not the only one. You say, oh, but you haven't mentioned. Just wait. The Bible mentions it. You have mentioned what I went through. <sighs> when I kept silent, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. Day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. Now, this isn't the unfortunate thing about shame is if you don't, even if you're a victim, if you don't get some help, it leads you to believe lies about yourself, which leads you to commit sins, that then lead to deeper shame, and it's like this horrible, you know, and it brings you down and down and down. And ultimately, it's the kind of thing that brings a person to suicidal thoughts. That's the devil's winning shot. This is all spiritual warfare. But even even an innocent victim, like of abuse, oftentimes will, because they believe lies about themselves, will then kind of go down into sin. So my vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. And again, there's a Selah, which I think it's either a musical rest or it's a, let's just dwell on this. Ever been there? Ever done that? Someone in here today feels like this. Has to be. And again, I need to avoid eyes because, like, who told them I was coming? I'm not psychic. I just have been doing this for 30 years. The Bible Lays out the human condition perfectly. Study the Bible, you'll be the best psychologist in town. I'm serious. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. So, what do I do? I acknowledge my sin to you, my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess the transgression, my transgression to the Lord you forgave the guilt of my sin. So like, fine, I'll go do that by myself, me and the Lord off in the wilderness somewhere. And yet it doesn't work. Why? Because you're still lying to everybody else about who you are and where you've been. And if you notice in the Bible, they don't hide stuff. David, this was printed there for the world to see. The fact that Paul used to kill Christians It's just out there. The fact that Peter made a bumbling idiot of himself and he had to be rebuked by Paul, it's just out there because we're sinful people. And we should should just be able to be honest about where we are to work through this stuff because the Holy Spirit cannot work in a room full of liars. He's called the spirit of truth. And if I need to put on a mask because I think you'll only love me if I'm wearing this mask, you're not loving me. And what I'm telling you about myself isn't who I am. So what answer you're giving me is going to be irrelevant. And the Holy Spirit's like, hey, I'm going to check out till so you guys start telling the truth. But then I'll really bring the deep, deep healing. So we've all felt like this. We're hiding. We're not dealing with things. We think we can deal with it by ourselves. We can't. The Bible says, and, and most of you guys have done significant memorization in the book of James. If you're here very long, I hope you plow through the whole book the end of James, it says, confess your sins to one another um, and pray for each other so you can be healed. Galatians, uh, if anyone is stuck, caught in a sin, you who are spiritual, you who happen to be walking in victory, uh, you're supposed to go help the person. And then he says, but you better watch out. You get haughty, you get arrogant, you think somehow you're made of better stuff or you couldn't be there. He said, you better pay attention to yourself or you're going to find yourself in the exact same spot because you're not made out of better stuff. And it's only the grace of God and you taking advantage of the, the tools God's given us to walk in purity that you happen to be walking in victory right now. But we need to be a place that can deal with this kind of brokenness And I would guess that the majority of the people in this room have some sort of sexual brokenness in their life. So you're not weird. You're not strange. You know, the strange ones are the ones that somehow, you know, I don't even, I never saw the movie, but there's a movie back in the day called Bubble Boy, and he was so, you know, open to infection that they had to put a bubble around. There's some human beings somehow on this planet that like had this moral bubble put around them and they didn't get affected by any of this, but they're freaks. They're the weird ones. And the ones that have been chewed up and spit out and run over by a Mack truck in this regard, you're the normal ones. And I don't mean normal in the sense of acceptable to God. It's abnormal in terms of how God made things to work. But in terms of human experience, the norm is brokenness. The exception is coming to the altar and virginal purity like God wanted us all to do So you're not strange. And for those of you who happen to be raised in a bubble, buckle up, because if you want to be used by the Lord, you're going to have to learn how to help people walk out of some crazy, crazy, crazy stuff without judging them. So what kind of sins did the Bible Bible address? Uh, As I was praying about it, I said, well, let's just go for a really disgusting one. Um, (laughs) And when I was a kid, I'm not going to be talking about... um, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, and Lot and his daughters who slept with him and all that. Uh, and I remember reading that as a kid and I'm like, Bleh! you know, when I went into my mom, like, Mom, what the heck? This is gross. Why is this in the Bible? So because the Bible tells it like it is. it is doesn't say God likes it or it's good or anything. it just tells it like it is. It tells us how sick and depraved all human beings are, including God's own people when they're not paying attention to God or walking in the Holy Spirit's you know, direction and power. At any moment, any of us can go psycho, psycho, psychotic, demonized, crazy in this area. So anyway, the Bible's full of real life scenarios. And when I read this, you're like, oh, that sounds like my house. So uh, let's see here. I already quoted this one, James 5, 16. How do we find healing? Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. Let's work through it. Most of God's people have been through it. Praise the Lord if you happen to be a bubble boy, a bubble girl who, who, got, who dealt some impossible hand in life, and you avoided this, uh, but realize that it didn't have to do with any inherent goodness in you. It happened to be the fact that somehow a bubble was put around you. Maybe it was your godly parents and grandparents, and that for 50 generations, you'd have people that, that uh, set up godly standards in the home, and that protected you. But it doesn't have to do with some inherent goodness in you. And that the rest of the world is pretty broken in this area. So here's an interesting story. Uh, Should I just jump to that or go over? Okay. I guess I'll go over these two verses first. When I think about this month and the celebration of all the stuff that we have as a culture, we used to regard as insanity and moral depravity, and now we're celebrating it. It's because as a culture, we're going crazy and as a church we don't know how to stop it so we acquiesce to it as a culture we're going crazy and as a church uh, as a whole you know the body of Christ doesn't know how to stop it so that's why we're yielding to it oh it must be okay because we don't know how to stop it we don't know how to change it so we just just going to let it happen and say god must want it to happen and what's going on well romans 1 says although they that's those who are not doing god, things the way god wants them done Know the ordinance of God. That those who practice such things are worthy of death. They not only do the same, but give hearty approval to those who practice them. So, in insane cultures that are going down the drain, they set aside a month to celebrate all kinds of re- rebellion and immorality and insanity. But, but uh, interesting fact: I was reading the presidential decree about this month. He said. <laughs> The tragic thing is is that among the youth who are identify themselves in this way 45% of them over the last year have seriously considered suicide not fleeting thought but i literally want to die. And so what they try to do is turn that on everybody that won't celebrate this behavior i think that's absurd. That's you know it's correlation causation. We don't we don't stop to examine that. Could it be the behavior itself that is causing this. Well, of course, it is. Of course, it is. It's a behavior itself because if anybody should be ashamed right now in a culture that is poo pooing everything they do on the left and on the right, it's followers of Jesus Christ. You're going to be mocked at the university, you're going to be mocked by the media, you're going to be mocked by everybody if you claim to follow Jesus Christ and uphold traditional standards. I just can't find the Christians that are, that are offing themselves because of a culture, because they're getting beat down by their college professor, it, even the denominations now are coming against them and you know being made fun of by family and friends. Um, somehow, those people are like Jesus said, able to rejoice and be glad. Their reward in heaven is great. It's not the behavior of the outsiders that are causing this despair. It's that these people know that what they're doing is wrong. They just don't know how to stop it. And so they say, maybe if we convince everybody to say that it's right, we'll be okay. It's never going to work. So what we need to do is, as a church, have the resources to actually help people. Now, and of course, we're Christians treat homosexuality like it's the big thing. It's not the big thing. It's just another thing. What about fornication? Why aren't we flipping out about the, the, the uh, engaged couples that are sleeping together? What about divorce? What about adultery? What about... I know in this town, churches aren't dealing with adultery that's happening among the people sitting in there. I'm always pulling up files. I'll have pastors say, well, there's a guy who's cheating on his wife and he's coming to the church and the kids are coming to the church. What should I do? Does he claim to be a Christian? If he does, you do what Matthew 18 says, one, two, three strikes You're get out of here. You're breaking covenant. You're you're violating biblical. People won't do it. Why are we all getting all bent out of shape over one particular sin and allowing all these other deviations in the area of sexuality in our churches? Singles groups are singles bars in Bible-believing evangelical churches. People are looking for people to hook up with. It's happening all the time. Youth leaders are having affairs with high school girls. I'm pulling up real files. I'm just not giving out the names here. So again, it's not the ultimate thing. It's just we need to, whether it's homosexuality or a porn addiction or adultery or whatever, we need to have the tools and the openness and the humility and the love to say, hey, what's your deal? We can help you walk in victory over that. So this kind of describes the celebration of these behaviors. They not only... (laughs) They not only do the same, they give hearty approval to those who practice them. Let's say that wrong is right. And then as I was praying about this, I also thought about this verse. When they came to the place called the skull, where they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right, one on the left, Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They can't stop. And so they say, well, if I can't stop, then I must it must be God's will that I do this thing. And they, they just don't know how to, they don't know what's They don't understand their brokenness. And so Jesus is like, God, please have mercy on these people that are so destructive and so insane and destroying one another's lives in this area and every other area. Cause they're just out of their minds. So that's also, so have some pity also. Um, Yeah, I got to keep moving here. So here's the example that I was thinking of from scripture. Background after David's big sin, guess what? His kids took after him. David sees a woman he wants, he takes her. That's what the sons do. David lies to cover up his nonsense. That's what the sons do. Um, So we see this happening in the generation after David, and it gets disgusting. This is a case of incest in the Bible, but all sexual sin is disgusting and destructive. So um, after that, Absalom, the son of David, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. But since David is doing the polygamy thing, which God didn't want them to do, but he put up with, that's a whole other subject. It's called divine accommodation. (laughs) One time Jesus was asked, why did God allow this? And God said, well, because you guys are so low functioning, he has to basically at times like good enough, we'll we'll give you a pass. He said, because of the hardness of your heart, they asked, why do you allow divorce? He said, well, because you guys are so morally thick I That's why it's not because God wanted it. God never wanted divorce, but he allowed it. So. People like, why did God allow polygamy? Because we're thick-skulled and we're foolish, and they were doing like the kings around them, and that's how you used to make alliances with other nations. And and then once you're in it and it's happening, sometimes to undo it causes more chaos than. Anyway, so. David married a bunch of women and had sons by daughters by different ones. And so Amnon sees his half sister and says, I want to have sex with her. So it says he loved her. But that word love, ahav in, in Hebrew can mean nothing more than sexual desire. It can also mean the most beautiful forms of love that we think of. But you have to remember all words have called semantic domains have a big range of meaning. You know, our word love does that, too. Uh, it's it's pretty much as flexible as that. He, I love pizza. I love my wife. You know, I love cars. I love whatever. But I also ha- can't have a sexual connotation. So Amnon was frustrated because of his sister Tamar. He was so frustrated he made himself ill. She was a virgin. It seemed that Amnon, it, hard for him to do anything to her. Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, uh, son of Shemeah, David's brother, And Jonadab was a very shrewd man. He said, oh, son of the king, why are you so depressed morning after morning? Just cut to the chase here. He said, pretend you're sick. Tell your dad to have your half-sister come in. So, dad, I think the only thing that will make me feel better is if Tamar came in and made some cakes for me. So uh, Tamar comes in and he says, would everyone please leave? So Tamar could feed these cakes to me. And everybody leaves. He grabs her and rapes her. This sounds like probably some of your families. And you bubble people are like, ah, gross. Like, go to the church where this doesn't happen because it's not as uncommon as you think. And then these people can't speak up in the church.